This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to God's Planning. Thank you to all of those who support us. And if you enjoy this show, uh, please consider making a monthly donation or a tithe to our podcast through Patreon. And the link for that is in the description of the show notes. Uh, also, please be, be sure to like, subscribe on any platform where you're listening or watching this podcast. So, Father Patrick, we are back at it, but we have a very special episode that we are starting and introducing um, for this kind of the next few weeks of what we have going on uh, here at the podcast. So um, what we are doing is we're doing kind of a special series now that we've entered into the Advent season. Um, We looked at the calendar, we looked at the schedule, and we noticed that we will have three episodes in the Advent season. And um, so we thought this would be an appropriate time to have some reflection and discussion on the classic uh, Catholic uh, work, if you want to call it that, uh, because I want to call it that, uh, which is Dante's Divine Comedy, right? And so we're going to be discussing the the first section of that, the first part of that. But um, this is what we're going to be looking at for our listeners over the next three weeks is going to be kind of a consistent um, series that is focused on Dante's Divine Comedy. So uh, before we get into that, I think, uh, or the the details of the the Inferno, which is the topic of the main topic for today, um, how, can you give us a little bit of a background or introduction? I think might be the best way introduction to this work because it's unique. Um, there's a lot going on here, a lot of good, but give us a little bit of an introduction it is, to what so, it is. So Dante Alighieri is medieval Christendom's most important poet. Mm. And uh, we like him as Dominicans because he was formed in Thomistic philosophy and yeah. Thomistic theology. Yeah, yeah. So Dante has been called the the poet of St. Thomas, right? Or it's <laughs> Thomism and poetry. And for the most part, th- those things are true. And, and um, that's often often said by Dominicans. Uh, I think for, for our purposes here, so what is it that we're going to do? We're not going to do a rigorous study Mm-mm. of the divine comedy according to philosophy and theology and mapping everything onto St. Thomas because other people have done that and they've done it very well. <laughs> yes. um, so what, what instead we want to do is to dive into the divine comedy in hopes that it will help our listeners and our viewers um, if you're if you're tuned in on YouTube to discover the last things through a new lens, mm-hmm. so the Advent season is traditionally dedicated to the four last things: death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Mm-hmm. And the Divine Comedy offers us a, a beautiful way to meditate on uh, the three destinations, as it were, of the soul. Two mm-hmm. of them being the final destinations: <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right, hell and heaven. Just Ooh. for clarification, if you're in purgatory, you're on the way. Um, so the so. The comedy will, for us, be a kind of spiritual tool mm-hmm. as we get as we get into the Advent season. So that's what that's what we're hoping to do yeah. uh, in the podcast. And again, to, to unpack and to celebrate medieval Christianity's most important poet, Dante. Yeah. No, I think that's such an important point to say. Like, we can engage with this this um, this work, uh, and it's a beautiful work, uh, epic poetry. But it helps to put in front of us these real. Um, important aspects of the Christian life, which are the the, the last things, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And so um, entering into this work with that mentality, not just like, oh, I want to read this piece of uh, art or as a form of entertainment, but there, there's a real uh, beauty and spiritual significance that this can produce great um, spiritual fruit in the one that's reading it. 
um, because it's taken us into these truths and realities that we have, but in a very poetic and, and um, beautiful way in which sometimes only art can produce, right? Only art can sometimes put us into contact with um, difficult real things, but take us through that. And, and sometimes that um, the harshness of reality isn't able to communicate um, because of a variety of reasons. So I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you bring that up is like um, what Dante does is takes us through a very important thing because these last things, which is, is a very Catholic approach to life, is to, you know, always be mindful that the last things are real and they're coming for us. And there's no way to escape uh, the, the last things. But here's an opportunity to engage in it in an appropriate and beautiful way. Um, so um, that's a, that's our goal, especially in this Advent season and uh, and entering into it in that way. Um, can you kind of maybe talk a little bit about, you know, yes, it's medieval poetry. So is that different than some of our contemporary poets or maybe what some of our listeners might be used to reading poetry in a different way? Uh is it a haiku based structure or what are we looking at here? You know, yeah, just as a, a little bit of a tactic to say like, all right, this is actually, it is poetry, but it might be done uh, in a way that uh, some people are not comfortable with right. or maybe their first time experiencing. Right. Good. So, um, if, again, we, you know, we would hope that a lot of our listeners would have studied this work at some point that they would have picked it up in either high school or college. Mm -hmm. um, if you have, again, consider the introduction of the podcast a little bit different because we want to prioritize the, the spiritual significance yes. of it all, right? But if this is your first time opening up the Divine Comedy, um, what, what is it that you need to know about the work? Well, it has three parts, right? Inferno, um, and then Purgatorio and Paradiso, right? Mm -hmm. Or Hell, Purgatory, and Heaven. Mm -hmm. And again, I think I lament it because I, th I think a lot, there are a lot of people that don't read any further than Hell, which, which is a problem, and uh, Father Bonaventure and I will <laughs> get into that when we, when we discuss Heaven. But um, but, but hell is the most entertaining. It it really is. It's got <laughs> it's got its own charm. It's, I would yeah, say that it it's got its own charm. So there's a reason that it, that it draws people's attention. I think. Um, so so if this is your first time, you know, to know that um, the poem is structured in cantos okay. or songs. So the, so the, those are the various movements, and they have different themes. Um, and what Dante is doing is he's leading us through a kind of vision of the world. So part of it, as you're saying, as a medieval poem. There's a particular worldview that's being conveyed, and mm -hmm. part of that has to do with place, mm -hmm. like where where heaven is in 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 the skies above, um, Purgatory's mountain, and then hell is is a kind of descent which yeah. we'll, we'll plug into because that that has a lot of very rich significance um, mm -hmm. uh, as you as you go did go down and down and down and down into the depths of hell. Oh, yes. um, so so part of part of what we're seeing in the medieval poem is that the cantos, the the various songs, the movements, um, as it were, of the poem. Are, um, are are structured in a particular way, um, and they're they're basically even. So, if I recall correctly, Inferno has thirty four cantos, um, Purgatorio has thirty three, and Heaven has thirty three. So it hits right it hits right there, and is a is a is a is a full work in, in that way. Um, so the so the the structure of the thing gives you an an entire and complete vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's a enough of an introduction, right? There, like you said, there are classes, there's incomplete works that, that break all of this down. But I think that's enough for our listeners to at least be familiar and comfortable enough to pick this up if, if it's a first time um, engagement with it. So um, 
I think for our listeners, I think our goal is to be able to just like walk through the different circles of of hell uh, that Dante writes about in in the Inferno and kind of just briefly touch on them and, and address them uh, as as we can and and let's uh, kind of just dive into it. So um, as Dante begins the as you said the descent the geography of each each book or um, each each address you know is is important. So with hell. Uh, we are descending into it, you know, level by level, uh, circle by circle. So where are we beginning with this and, and where are we going um, in that descent? Yeah, so Dante begins in, an, in a kind of darkened wood, and he's not sure exactly where he's going right, and so, he's, so he needs a guide, you know. Um, and he runs into his favorite poet, the mm-hmm. poet Virgil, the greatest of the yes. Roman poets, right? <laughs> and so this is what he says when he meets Virgil. It's worth listening to. O light and honor of all other poets, may my long study and the intense love that made me search your volume serve me now. You are my master and my author. You, the only one from whom my writing drew the noble style for which I have been honored. So why is that so beautiful? Because first of all, you you see Dante offering a kind of humility, um, even if it's fake, uh, people have (laughs) this, um, but, uh, but saying, okay, everything I know and everything that I've done, I've learned from Virgil. Um, but then then the fact that he's being guided through hell um, and, uh, and a good part of the rest of the way by Virgil um, shows the esteem that Dante has for the role of a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, that there, are, that there uh, are a lot of people today that want to go through life on their own, carving their own path. Absolutely. And what we have, what we have here in, at the beginning of Inferno is Dante saying, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Imitate the greats, imitate the masters, and for us in Christian life, um, that means especially looking to the saints, mm-hmm. um, uh, looking, looking, looking towards those who are who have mastered Christian living, and so so we get a little bit of that further on. Yeah, that's um, that that whole concept of uh, mentorship and having a guide is deeply important. We we do struggle with a society, I believe, um, right now that is really um, feeling the kind of toxic effect of isolation and how there's so much maybe connectivity but very much lacking relationships right, right. and when you lack those relationships you don't know how to mature um, in this kind of understanding of who oneself is or in a variety of ways um, but there is this desire to move and to grow and the need to have a guide of somebody that maybe has done this before you and can give the advice and the wisdom to pass that on to the next generation. And we see this um, with Dante kind of turning to his guide, right. Virgil being there. Right. Um, I, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Coach Prime, uh, Deion Sanders, <laughs> big fan of Coach Prime. Um, and there was a, uh, a series on, I think it was Amazon, and he, he talks about this. He's like, good players want to do it on their own. Um, great players want to have a coach, right? And elite players want to be coached, right? And I, that always stuck with me. And this is something where I think you see a little bit of that is like the need to have a guide at the very beginning of his work. And it's 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 very clear that he wants to have this guy, somebody he very much esteems, and he feels the honor and privilege that Virgil's going to be his guide. And so now he's like he's very open to what the guide has to show him. Right, and there are many moving times, and they're they're very beautiful. Where Dante is extremely afraid, mm-hmm. where where mm-hmm. before the before the demons and the torments of hell, and Virgil assures him and says, "No, no, they can't, yeah. they can't touch you." Yeah. Um, and so we so we see that that role of reassurance 
and that kind of question of fear and what what do we do with it? And, and one of the ways to uh, to handle that in life is is to to look to one you respect to help you navigate mm-hmm. those waters. Yeah, somebody that's been there before survived it mm-hmm. and made it through, and they can give you comfort. All right. Continue on. So we step Let's in uh, when, when we're when we're moving through hell. We step into the to the first circle of hell, as it were, which is actually limbo. Mm. So limbo, the kind of natural happiness that the poets, the, the other great poets, can have, um, uh, is a place where God is absent. So it's not um, it's not uh, heaven. Right. It's not purgatory. Um, it's still under the powers of heaven and still subject to heaven's authority, which is another great theme of the mm-hmm. divine comedy, yeah. um, especially even in hell, um, because as we'll, uh, because um, when when Virgil and Dante are trying to get into hell, um, the demon who guards the door, Sharon, doesn't want to let them in, mm-hmm. and uh, Virgil insists, no, no, this is okay. The the one he refers to the one. Uh, meaning God, the the one the uh, the one has willed it. Um, mm-hmm. God God desires Dante to enter into this, and so everything. And this is a mis- this is a mysterious thing. Everything that happens in hell is a playing out of God's justice, and it's under God's authority. Right. And and I think that's an important point to us to claim for for us to claim in our spiritual lives to remember that it's all it's all it's all coming at us under the power of God. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That. That God God has His own justice, and that that our lives uh, b- belong to Him, and um, there is nothing there is nothing which is beyond His power. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Even 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 uh, even hell, as it were, is a manifestation, as Dante insists, of His perfect justice. There's a really deep um, beauty because we just recently celebrated the feast of Christ, the King of the Universe, and that proclamation, I, I think, maybe. <laughs> dare I say, is underrated a little bit uh, <laughs> because of our experience of this world that is very broken and fragile and uh, is is in many respects uh, fraught with the powers of, of the demons. And um, one of the things that we know is that, you know, God has allowed the evil one to actually kind of take on a role and authority over this this life. In many respects, he's called the prince of this world. And he can have this influence, but he's not the king. You know, he may be the prince of this world, but he's not the king of the universe. And so he may be permitted to operate and express himself and influence things in this world as a prince, but he's not the ultimate king. Right. And you see a little bit of this at the beginning stages right. of, of, right. of the Inferno. And the sign over the gate of hell even insists, <laughs> you know, the, the, right. gate, the gate says, my maker was, was primal love. My maker was eternal wisdom. Oh, yeah. um, and then, then it warns, however, abandon hope all you, mm-hmm. you enter here, right? And mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the well-known, the the well-known, well-known quote, bit is, yeah. the, is the last part of it, um, which is that, that this is a place of great sorrow, mm-hmm. um, but all of which mysteriously is subject to God's providence. So. Yeah. All right, keep, all keep right, journeying so, on. So we, journeying so, we, on. so we rock in. Um, in, the second, in, the second, uh, in the second layer of hell, and this is another one that I that I really think is worth talking about is lust, mm-hmm. and I think it's worth talking about because when you when you look at the structure of hell, um, the largest things are at the top, yeah. And as as Dante passes through, what we're going to see is that hell con, constricts down, mm-hmm. and C.S. Lewis, who was a great reader of Dante, noted this, um, and he he brings it up in the Great Divorce where he says. Um, that uh, that that uh, that all of the pains of hell are just a very small pebble, uh, because because it? because it, it it funnels down into into the one place 
um, whereas we'll see Satan is. Um, but hell and our our sins, for that matter, make us smaller. Yeah. Um, and so so as we have the descent into vice, uh, it constricts. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we'll find in the, at the very core of hell, it freezes us. Um, and and we just bec- become stuck in them, and that it's virtue and the pursuit of God and godliness that that um, that that, uh, that of course animates our hearts. So so anyway, the point of lust being at the top of this is that a lot of times people think that that lust is is the is the very worst of all possible sins, and there are certain actions of lust which are indeed mortal sins and are mm-hmm. very serious, yeah, and you should confess them to a confessor and receive absolution so that you can live in the life of divine grace that God intends for us. Okay, all of that is true. Right. But as far as the hierarchy of sins, um, not the worst. No. As we'll see. Uh, and I, it is and a I capital think Dante, sin, I think right? Dante is right about that. Absolutely. It, it is a capital sin. It is a deadly sin, and it will put you in hell. And when right? we act against it, it's it grave. mortal. But, you know, it is kind of this... W- w- there's this um, kind of visceral response to the sense of lust, but as Dante points out, it's kind of the most broad. But with that understanding of, like you said, we become small right. with each progressive right. step, and we smaller right. and smaller. But it's with virtue that we gain both freedom, but also new horizons of life right. and the fullness of life. So uh, it's not to lose hope if you struggle with sins of lust or things like that. But um, as we continue on. Uh, it's going to get a little more intense, right? And I mean, the, it's it, the lust stuff are no easy punishment. I mean, right. It's not oh, great. Yeah. There's it's not there's enjoyable. tempest. There's like hurricanes. You know, there's these storms <laughs> that beat them. I mean, it's worse in the next level. I mean, it, it gets it gets worse all the way down. Basically, like that's what you find when you're reading Inferno. Like like it always gets worse. I mean, gluttony um, also is big storms, but it's like gluttony is like hail and these free, and freezing ice. Yeah, so cool. it's different than the like hurricanes, right? that assail the lust, but you can see a kind of, uh, you can see what Dante is doing when he's pairing these punishments to the sins. Um, because when you're, when you're lustful, you're, you're kind of tossed about in the storms of your passion. Yeah. Yeah. And so in hell, the lustful are, are beaten by, by these kind of hurricanes of storms or in, um, uh, or when it, when it comes to those who are, who are gluttonous, um, that they're, they're, they're trying to consume things, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they end up being battered by, by by like hail and rain and right. and and all these kinds of things that they can't consume um so it so it just is is a kind of attack on them so there there's a kind there's a fittingness there mm-hmm. uh, in a really cruel uh, in a really cruel way yeah and we can see how the the capital vices kind of structure uh, Dante's journey yeah. through this like that's going to be kind of the map if you will if you're looking at a map of the inferno it's going to be kind of um, structured by the capital vices so yep, we started right. with lust um, and then we rolled to um, gluttony. Um, yeah, that's right. And so where where are we going? Next? And then that's the, then as you work the way down, just just real quick for the for the roadmap, it's greed, anger, um, and then heresy, mm-hmm. violence, fraud, and then betrayal. Mm-hmm. You know, so 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 we see how the capital vices play out. It's not a strict map. It's not like okay, you know, Dante created. A hell with nine circles. It's not like there's there's seven, which are purely the capital vices, and then two more for good measure. It's not like that. It's a little bit more complicated, but yeah. the, but they're all there, you know, and and they and they come up. And like we said, right at the top, you know, the the first four are straight up, you know, lust, gluttony, greed, and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then it gets a little more. And then like I said, it gets a little more complicated. Kind of gets a little more. I don't want to say Heresy's subtle, good. like, um, um, but you, you said complicated at that. But like, there's nuances in yeah. there, and. 
Um, so let's jump to heresy. Yeah, heresy is really good. I know you love, so, and lo- <laughs> so as the- good Dominicans, we want to we want to <laughs> address gotta, heresy. This right? is a problem. So- People who are heretics <laughs> end up in not good places, and right. bad things happen to them. Okay, but also this is partly Dante influenced by Thomistic uh, education. That's right, and and informed in that. So like, yeah. there's going to be this uh, kind of revulsion to heresy and yeah. the sins against the faith. Amen. So 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 check this out. Um, <laughs> so the heretics uh, are in this place, and uh, and I'm just going to read you this. This is a little bit long, but it's it's worth reading. Mm-hmm. Um. Here the sepulchres, uh, the sepulchres, were much more harsh, for flames were scattered through the tombs, and these kindled all of them to glowing heat. No artisan could ask for hotter iron. The lid of every tomb was lifted up, and from each tomb such sorry cries arose as could only come from the sad and the hurt. And I said, Master, who can these people be who buried in great chests of stone like these must speak by way of sighs and agony? And he said to me, Here are arch heretics and those who followed them from every sect. Those tombs are more crowded than you think. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is that, again, there's a kind of fittingness to the punishments that Dante assigns to the sins, is that that heresy, um, because it's a, it's a, it's a misconstrual of doctrine, means that it is one's own idea, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. it's something of one's own making. And heresy becomes a prison for us. Yeah. Um, it, imp- it imprisons us. And so the, so the heretics are entombed in tombs, uh, little prisons, which they have made by their own making. Um, and they, they can't get out of them because they're caught in their own ideas. Yep. Whereas the doctrine of the church is l- supremely liberating. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I think that you can see that where um, even in our own kind of contemporary context, there are people that um, they rise to a certain level of influence or prominence and they kind of just have to dig their heels in because this is their ideas. This is where their identity has been built upon and they're so afraid to step away from that, even if yeah. it's incorrect. Yeah. Yep. And they, they're, right. now they're they're trapped in this and even if they don't want that, you know, um, celebrities doing certain types of art or works and they can't change out of that even if they have a conversion of heart even if they want to no longer be identified with a a certain type of art form or you know politicians who have built their platforms on certain issues and they're like well they have an inability to to be objective and to pursue the truth in that because this has become totally their identity now they're trapped in their own tombs Mm -hmm. and that that is their own making right. in in many respects. Right. Um, you know, and and again, there's a, there's throughout there's a, there's a fittingness, right? With greed, um, people are rolling heavy stones. Right. Um, you know, and they they're just stuck pushing these weights around, and they kind of squabble amongst each other. With anger, it's sort of like eternal e- eternal pirate wars, <laughs> um, because in anger, people are fighting. Um, people are fighting battles um, amongst each other. Uh, on the river, they're just kind of clawing at each other. Um, but people who succumb to their anger, those who are sullen, kind of sink and hover below the surface, the way that anger kind of consumes you right. into yourself and you become sullen, you become just kind of lifeless under the water. And so the sullen um, the sullen are there kind of in the, in the river, um, not not among those who are still, who are still um, cons- kind of fighting. Kind of, yeah, yeah, fighting yeah. anger, yeah. 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 Um, so from heresy, though, we move on to violence. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and for Dante, there are, there are three categories of, of violence, violence to other people, um, violence to oneself. And this is where he, this is where he puts suicides is a very difficult chapter for a lot of people. So just, so just a warning to listeners, if you get that far, and um, that might raise some questions and a violence against God, mm. um, or blasphemy. Okay. And this is where Dante puts those who succumb to sins against the natural law, for example. Okay. Um, so, uh, so sodomites are there according to Dante, um, in, in this, in this circle. Um, and so, so I think that's an interesting way to think about violence because yeah. when, when, when we, when we talk about violence, we mean, um, we mean physical harm as mm. some people claim speech today, but I don't think that's right. Uh, but, but we mean, we mean physical harm, but, but we can also see like violence, you know, other kinds of distortion, right. um, even even kind of even a violence done to our own very self, and that those are worth thinking about in terms of our spiritual life. Yes, I mean that's a, that's a very absolutely. powerful that's a very powerful thing, and I think that's important because once again we can get back to the Thomistic influences on Dante and things of like that, and the different violences that can take place. You know, you absolutely said it right. The first thing that we think of when we think of violence is that we think of physical violence of against, you know against our neighbors, right? You know, whether it's uh, uh, the variety of different types of wars and violences, even in a domestic way that could take place. But he puts it, there's, there can be violence against God. Like that, that isn't thought of like, so, you know, there, there is a, how does that violence take place? Well, blasphemies, hmm. you know, and, and, and that can be gestures that can be acts or that can be even, I know that you're like, what can you say against God? You can you do you do violence and defaming or taking his name in 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 ways against that. So like the multiple levels of violence is a unique presentation here, but it's definitely worth considering of maybe even in my own life, am I doing violence not that's just physical harm, but am I doing spiritual violence? Whether that's to myself through my own actions, um, even if they're interior actions or private actions. Am I, are those violent actions to myself or to my God? Hmm. Right. Uh, when when we get when move, moving along as we get as we get a little further further down and, and closer to the end of Inferno, um, we've got we've got fraud and there there are <laughs> ten different pouches for fraud. Fraud fraud is kind of like yeah the yeah, the, the mal, mal mal gorge or malborge or whatever it is. Um, and then there's all these different pouches in there. And there's all these different kind of frauds. Mm -hmm. Um, and for for Dante, I think it's important because fraud is a betrayal of truth. Yeah, we've, we've kind of we've been getting at that. You know, looking looking at this again from kind of Thomistic lens, and then we end up at the very heart of hell, the very center of it, the deepest, the lowest, the most miserable place that there is. And and here again, it's worth worth quoting from the from the text at length um because it's it's so so, so incredible um so when when dante gets all the way down there um to to the to the deepest point of hell what he discovers is uh, is a, t a ton of ice hmm. uh, so it's very, so it's very cold in hell and again the point point that i was making is we we're talking about the descent and how our sin traps us at the bottom of hell is frozen yeah and it's very still except for the wings of satan which fan the ice to keep it frozen mm -hmm. but otherwise that's it so there's there's kind of a light churning but but that's it i mean that becomes really important because as we'll talk about the the through the rest of the divine comedy you compare that with with heaven where you see where you see nothing but dynamism really. oh there's uh, so know, much so, motion so, movement so the, so the center of hell yeah exactly 
everything's in not not in flux as if it's like changing but there's like you said there's it's a dynamic reality that almost you get swept up into yeah in heaven the saints dance and the stars are moving things and and um there's motion deeper yeah like i don't know but but hell hell is is just kind of hell is a, a frozen place it's a still place okay so, so here's Dante's description of, of, of Satan, of the, the prince of evil. Beneath each face of his, two wings spread out, as broad as suited, so immense a bird, because Satan is, is three-faced, as you'll find out. I've never seen a ship with sails so wide. They had no feathers, but were fashioned like a bat's, and he was agitating them so that the three winds made their way out from him. And all of Coctus, the, the lake, froze before these winds. He wept out of six eyes and down three chins, tears gushed together with a bloody froth. Within each mouth, he used it like a grinder. With gnashing teeth, he tore to bits a sinner so that he brought much pain to three at once. So three heads, three mm-hmm, sinners. Mm-hmm. All in the mouth, and he's just grinding them. The forward sinner found that biting nothing when matched against the clawing for at times his back was stripped completely of its hide. That soul up there who has to suffer most, my master said. Judas Iscariot, his head inside, he jerks his legs without. Of those two others with their heads beneath, the one who hangs from their black snout is Brutus. See how he withers, see how he rides, rather, and does not say a word. The other who seems so robust is Cassius. But night is come again, and it is time for us to leave. We have seen everything. Hmm. So the the three great betrayers, Judas Iscariot, Brutus, and Cassius, um, who who betrayed their closest friends, these are the ones that, according to Dante, are in Satan's mouth yeah. for all eternity, and 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 they're trapped. You know, they they squirm a little, but 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 there's nothing. It's um, and they're they're at the center again of the great frozen lake, and. It's absent any any kind of grand vision, and they're alone because yeah. they've they've betrayed their friendship. So they're each in their own, they're each in a they're each in a separate mouth, cut off uh, from, from everything, as it were. Yeah, I think the the presentation of betrayal being so core at the depths of hell, you know, is is part of uh, you know I hear the the antidote to that which is Christ turning to his friends and saying, I call you friends. Right. You know, and that we, we are called to a friendship with him. And one of the things I've learned, you know, both throughout the entirety of my life, but specifically in my priesthood and in learning that is the, the foundational block of every relationship and truly every deep friendship is trust. And once that trust is broken, you, you have to do whatever it takes to rebuild that trust. And that's what a betrayal is. And so the fact that Christ calls us to a friendship and what does Dante see as the worst experience that one could do is betray a friendship because those three individuals did just that. They betrayed the friendship in the most direct and um, consequential way. And so to have that understanding too that, well, the Lord calls us to a deep friendship and he's not going to betray us. Right. Um, but to see that, that that's truly the antidote 
And if you look on the opposite side, is like the joy of what it means to have a deep friendship with, with the Lord is the complete opposite of what this is. Mm. And that's what the invitation is um, ultimately there. Um, okay, so we just did a very quick journey through uh, all, the, all the different circles of hell with, with Dante, but uh, maybe one last thought as you look at this, like one, one last kind of takeaway from this, this entrance into uh, the first opening book of Dante's Divine Comedy. Yeah, I think a lot, there are a lot of people that, that dismiss the vivid imagery and they say, oh, that's just Dante. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, yeah. so only Dante, you know, makes the Sodomites walk on burning sand or only Dante decides that Muhammad would be cleaved open by a sword and have to walk in a circle and he would gradually heal up and then he'd be cleaved open again. Uh, so, so some of these things are, they're, they're pretty graphic. And they, um, the temptation is to, to brush that off and say, well, um, that, that's just Dante, is hell really that bad? And the answer is it's worse. Um, it, it's so much worse than all of this because those are, those are physical tortures. And Dante writes a little bit about the kind of anguish mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That, that people are suffering. You know, we heard that in our description of the, the tombs that the archer takes her imprisoned in, for example. But the kind of loneliness that hell yeah. is, the kind of the, 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 the result uh, um, of, a, of a turning away from God, that this is a, this is, this is a horrific thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all around us. Lots of people have turned away from God. And we ought to be brave enough to call them back to him. Yeah. Um, because the consequences are are dire. So so I think a value of the divine comedy is seeing, you know, not not that this is some kind of scientific investigation, but seeing that that at its heart it's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At its heart it's true and it's true uh, in the sense that it's worth meditating on the virtues that heal, the mm-hmm. vices that Dante points out and that it's salutary to consider what our lives would be without God, without his grace. And I think that is one of the most beautiful things to see, like, okay, the effects of the vices. And, yeah, the the punishments are, are vivid, and there's such a temptation to say, oh, that's just poetic imagery, you know, and, and they're vivid, but they're, they're connected specifically to the vices that are represented there. Um, but I, what, I, what I found in going through that is this constant like desire and need and kind of uh, it's present throughout it is there is a call to repentance. Like this entire journey to see all of this isn't um, as if somebody's like going through a zoo to look at the exhibits and to be like, oh, isn't that weird? Like, oh, luckily I don't have to do that. But it's to like stir up the soul to a, a repentance, knowing that we are all sinners. And it's the mercy and the grace of God that is readily available uh, in the fact that he is very faithful to us through all of this. And, and that's, a, that's the thing that is like, as you read it, it can be kind of discouraging and vivid and, and you know, kind of chaotic in many senses. And you don't want to be left in the depths of hell and thinking, now what? But it's present throughout that this is a call to repentance. This journey is to take us, maybe even a journey in our own soul, to these real spiritual realities that exist, but it's to call us to a deeper repentance um, so that we can turn to the Lord and trust in his mercy. Um, and I think that's one of the best um, parts of the of the inferno is that it calls us back to Christ. So... With that, uh, we want to thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to you for listening all the way through this episode. 
of Godsplaining. Uh, please like and share this episode. Um, on, on whatever platform you are listening to. Uh, you can also find us, uh, God's Planning Podcast, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media things, wherever they may be. Not quite sure what all uh, what all is happening in that sphere, but we're there. Like and share us uh, and give us a follow as well. Leave a five-star review uh, if you if you would like and uh, continue to uh, think about. And we want to invite you to support this podcast through our Patreon page and becoming a, uh, a benefactor and a, a donor to this podcast as well. You can follow the links in our show notes and descriptions that go to our website where you will find merch and announcements about upcoming events and, and things of that nature uh, as we continue to plan and roll those out. Uh, we have a number of different events coming up. Uh, we may be coming to a city near you, so pay attention to our website for that. So thank you once again for listening, and God bless you. Bye.